what does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists, and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go Beyond the Scripts. Hey, welcome back to Beyond the Scripts. I'm your host, Will Tuft with Pioneer Rx, and today we're going to travel to a small town in Missouri and visit a name that I'm sure is uh, almost a household name for independent pharmacies. Uh, Tim Mitchell is one of those uh, names that you've definitely seen if you've been out to any trade shows. Seems like um, Tim had a big year this year. Seems like uh uh, a lot of different awards. Uh, most recently, I saw the 2022 NCPA Innovation Center uh, Outstanding Adherence Partner uh, Practitioner Award. Um, but the uh, the list goes on and on. So there's uh, definitely uh, definitely doing something right up there at Mitchell's in uh, Neosho, Missouri. So welcome to the show, guys. We also have, I should mention, Tim's uh, son, second generation uh, in, in the pharmacy. Uh, joining us as well. So awesome to have the um, uh, independent pharmacy uh, multi-generational teams. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's it's exciting to be here. I always like talking to you guys. We always get a chance to kind of tell our story and maybe we'll inspire somebody to, to you know, do something similar or, you know, who knows. So Fantastic. Yeah, I, I love having the, um, the the multi-generational pharmacy owners in. It's always fun. Most of the time, we get to talk to that um, second or third, fourth generation sometimes um, that is really kind of, um, you know, taking the reins and, and, and made that pharmacy something uh, different than it was in generations past. Uh, it's kind of neat to be able to uh, touch base with that uh that relationship a little bit earlier on so yeah well we appreciate the opportunity to tell our story so yeah so tell me uh, a little bit about mitchell's drug stores uh you guys have multiple locations you know how did that come about did you guys start that up originally or was that uh something you guys kind of took the reins in your community so back in i i graduated umkc school of pharmacy um in 96 came to work at a small end it was an existing independent store here in neosho it was actually inside of a grocery store um owned by a man named philip rosell who still today is a mentor of mine um he was kind of a father figure and he he actually lived in fayetteville arkansas and needed a pharmacist for this area. Uh, I lived here and it just worked. And so he told me, he said, you know, if you want to work for me for, you know, five, six years, we'll, I'll, I'll show you the ropes and kind of figure out, you know, what you want to do. If you ever want to own a store, I'd be willing to sell it to you. Uh, and he gave me a price five or six years prior to him selling it. And it was a handshake deal. Um, oh, wow. And I, and I will tell you, my wife, my wife told me, you'll never get that deal. <laughs> and, 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 you know, she continued to encourage me to, to try to move forward. My wife was a, a very big supporter. I worked really hard and built that pharmacy. <clears throat> and this was in 97. We started an immunization program in 1998 and you know, started trying to do, you know, what we called the, you know, the, uh, pharmacy care network or whatever. We, we just, you know, we were trying to come up with some creative names for the consulting side of things, but still to be able to do dispensing. We did a lot of long-term care back then. Um, and then um, uh, in 2003 or 2002, Phil actually came to me and said, okay, I need to make sure you have a good attorney, you have a good <laughs> banker, and you have a good accountant <laughs> because I'm ready to sell the store. And so uh, I, we started that whole process. And in 2003, November of 2003, which is actually, we just passed our anniversary. Uh, actually, no, November 3rd, I think, 2003. So tomorrow, um, uh, we actually um, purchased the store and began moving forward. Um, and then, you know, we opened a few different locations here and there, closed some. Um, the long-term care, actually, we ended up splitting it off into a closed door. Um, we had uh, Walgreens bought an independent downtown. 
um, uh, which is just a couple, like less than a mile or two from here. And everybody wanted a store downtown, kind of the old fashioned store. So they closed it and moved it to their their typical model of store. And so we just opened one up back down downtown. Uh, but uh, we also hmm. ventured into the specialty market, which is a whole nother story. Um, and we do infusions and so forth in another part of the business. But, you know, the community pharmacy has really been the heart of what I've always enjoyed doing. Um, and uh, over the last 10 years, we moved to a new look. We ended up moving into a bank, uh, an old former bank building, which seems like that seems to be the kind of a, a natural for a pharmacy to move into an old bank. Um, yep. We expanded the building. We've got about a 5,500 square foot building here. Oh, wow. And we have our long-term care and our community pharmacy in this one location. Um, and, you know, we've, we've, with my staffing uh, over the years, we've been able to start implementing a lot of different clinical opportunities, point of care tests. Of course, COVID brought in some new opportunities. I'm trying to make this as quick as I can, Will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's a lot. Yeah. Almost 20 years, a little over 20 years of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm trying to like make mental notes to go back and pick up on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always felt like it's important to keep pushing the envelope and moving forward. And Tanner, uh, back when he graduated high school, expressed some interest. He worked. He'll talk about that in a second. But he worked in the pharmacy some while he was in high school. Um, and he expressed some interest in going ahead and you know trying to go to pharmacy school. Um, and we talked about it. He was on a plan. He got through it. And just graduated in May. And I, we had a sit down talk and I said, Hey, if you're sure you want to come to work here, it's not easy. You know, um, community yeah. independently owned pharmacy is not easy. It's not for the faint hearted. And we all know that. And he's like, I'm ready for the challenge, dad. I, I think we, we can do this and we can, we can become, um, I know my daughter actually works for us as well. She's not a pharmacist, but she works in our office. Her name's Taylor. And she's like, Dad, I think we can be the power team. And I said, well, I hope that's the case. Um, so today um, we're trying to move forward with some new and innovative things. T Tanner will talk about that. But, you know, I, I've always wanted to try to move forward with more innovative opportunities for our community. Um, it's not just about another thing to, you know, to get Tim's pat on the back. We we do get, you know, recognized by, you know, we like we this year I was able to receive the bowl of hygiene. You can see behind me there. Very proud yeah. of that. Um for Missouri and uh, as well as the NCPA award that you discussed. But you know, there's a lot of great things and, and I'd like to take the credit for that. Um but I would say you know, uh, you know, fortunately, we have a really, really good team of individuals here that really pull together and make me look good. And so I want to recognize them here publicly and say thank you for all their efforts. So the new generation of pharmacy is Tanner. And we've got a couple other new pharmacists as well that um, I do feel like will will benefit for us and be able to uh, uh, help lead us into the next next time here. So. Uh, I don't know if wow. I answered your question too much, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's that's a great overview, and I, I think a lot of uh, a lot of our listeners can kind of you know have a better perspective now of uh, where you're at now with multiple locations. Uh, you have two retail locations, and then the true LTC, or is that a combo? Yeah, shop? it's you no, know, it's a it's a standalone. Well, not standalone, but it's inside this building. But it is a closed door long term care. Gotcha. Uh, and then we have a separate corporation, like I said, that does the infusion pharmacy. Uh, we do sterile and non-sterile compounding in that in that location and specialty. So. Oh, wow. OK, so a lot going on and re relatively small town, too. Yeah, we have about 13,000 people in Neosho. Um, our community is very supportive of our stores. Um, we have um, two large chains um, in town, both of them with W's. And um, the um, we're the only independent in, in our community. We have two of those. So we do have a pretty good market share in the community just because we have two different, you know, um, footprints in the town. So it's kind of a nice one of them is inside of a clinic uh, right next to a good friend of mine. That's a physician that has a large number of, of patients has been here for 
about 20 years as well. So um, it, it helps us being able to, like he signs our protocols and does a lot of uh, collaborative work with us, looking to, you know, go into the future with some things that he's wanting to do as well. So, Yeah. So um, with, with a town of population 12, 13,000, um, you know, it sounds like you guys have some of the staples that you would normally see in a town, maybe twice, three times that size. I'm, I'm assuming you guys serve a greater kind of rural area in, in Missouri. So is Neosho one of those kind of hubs where people come in from a long ways, like kind of a county seat? Yeah, we're the county seat. Um, gotcha. And gotcha. we service, uh, we're the county seat in Newton County. Uh, we service, of course, Newton County, but there's a lot of patients that come from South and McDonald County and Barry County. And I have actually a lot of family member and friends. I, I, um, I'd say we probably service uh, probably a good 30 miles, 30, 45, 30 to 40 miles away from the in a radius around Neosho. Um, we're real close to the Oklahoma and Arkansas line, so we pretty much go to both of those lines. Uh, there are a few people that come over, but it's not, you know, it's like we try to, if they're in, if they're in Oklahoma, they probably need to go to an Oklahoma pharmacy. Uh, yeah. we, don't, we, we do have an Oklahoma license, but it's, it's still one of those things. We don't service everything that Oklahoma offers, but um, I will say um, uh, we have a large population that is very rural um, and uh, a very high, you know, low income type population here in, in Southwest Missouri where we're at. So, yeah. So that in itself kind of opens for even a, a whole nother kind of, um, list of services and ways, ways to serve that community. So Tanner, it sounds like you, you really, um, kind of grew up in pharmacy with the opportunity to explore a lot of different niches that, a lot of times I feel like people find those when they go to school, when they when they do their first residency, when they're doing those rotations, they can see those different um, avenues to really focus in. But it sounds like you got to see a lot of those different opportunities from specialty and doing delivery and, and the appointment-based model immunizations, uh, going from, you know, different styles of location. So was, was there something that immediately kind of piqued your interest, like this is a really neat part of pharmacy? Sure. I, uh, I was very lucky to have the opportunity to grow around um, this pharmacy. Uh, I started off here doing simple things like running the register, doing deliveries while I was in high school, not thinking too much of it. And then I kind of grew, grew to see all the impact that he was making on his community, uh, the personal connection he had with his patients, the way that he could go out of his way to get them taken care of. And I started to think about that. It was either that or physical therapy as I started at Missouri State University. Um, so I kind of had those two in mind. And then after my first semester, I had to make a hard decision on which one I would do. And uh, I went with my gut with pharmacy. Um, and I did two years at Missouri State. And I did four years with UMKC School of Pharmacy um, at the Springfield uh, Satellite Campus. Um, but throughout my four years there, like you said, I did already... I knew I wanted to go into independent already, um, independent community pharmacy. I tried to keep my options open uh, when I chose my rotations. I chose as many hospital rotations and AMCA mm. rotations. You know, I, I didn't want to say this is for sure what I'm going to do quite yet because I hadn't experienced everything else yet. Um, deep down, I knew this is what I wanted to do. But I am glad I did that because I was able to get experiences from other parts of pharmacy. And even though they're not the same thing, Sometimes they can, you know, we can learn a lesson from those other parts of pharmacy and bring them to community pharmacy and say, hey, they're doing this that way. Why can't we do that? So um, throughout my rotation year, I tried to get as many experiences as I can. And I told myself I'd make a list of everything that these pharmacies were doing that was neat or unique. And at graduation, I came to my dad with like 13 pages of notes and said, let's get to work. <laughs> and uh, luckily, he's been very um, generous of letting me, you know, uh, implement new things, um, find new ways of doing things. And he's been very supportive and all that. Um, so it's been really fun, um, especially with independent community pharmacy, like I said, because uh, I've been able to do these new ideas. I love finding new ways to do things. And I'm still... I'm still a new graduate, so I'm still learning, you know, how to be a pharmacist um, and how to be a great pharmacist, but I'm also trying to do these other things on the back end. But, um, but yeah, 
Yeah, fantastic. So, you know, it's neat that um, we see so much of that blending now where, you know, a lot of it, like I said, it's not a, a new idea, but borrowing from other <clears throat> other areas of pharmacy. If you look at so many of the practices that just make sense from a logistics standpoint for LTC that we apply to now retail patients just to make sure that they're adherent, you know, uh, those MedSync cycles, that adherence packaging, you know, some of those basic premises can really be carried over uh, from a lot of different areas. And, you know, of course, you're seeing more of that ambulatory care kind of moving into uh, your community pharmacies as well. So um, one of the things you guys have really focused on is the adherence uh, of your patients. So, you know, moving into more of a, a higher percentage of sync patients and then adherence packaging as well. When did um, when did that become a focus and, and what was kind of step one? So uh, this was before Tanner came on board, but, um, <clears throat> you know, back uh, prior to the pandemic, we had uh, signed up with Paula Butler, one of our pharmacists, um, we decided we were going to sign up for the fellow or the uh, uh, flip the pharmacy. We were part mm. of CPSN and went ahead and wrote a, a grant proposal for Southwest Missouri. And we were working with, um, I don't know, probably six other pharmacies in Southwest Missouri, um, trying to provide coaching and all of us working together to increase, you know, well, to meet all the metrics that Flip the Pharmacy brought brought forth. One of those was, you know, working on MedSync. Um, and as, and that was, this was even before we implemented Pioneer, um, I, I felt like there was some things we needed to work on. Um, and, you know, I, I hear the story and you hear it too. Uh, it's, it's so hard to, you know, keep people synced up and, and to, to, you know, you, you think you got med sync all put together and then it falls apart and, you know, you got one person running it and, you know, that we are, we pretty much all heard all the excuses, but we went through that whole process as well. And, yeah. and we just made a, a decision that we're going to start making some changes. Um, one of the first things we did is we put pioneer in. Uh, we also put in uh, one of the uh, rapid pack machines to help us with adherence packaging. Um, and I set up a whole area in the back of our pharmacy, which was a warehouse, which is now our med sink area. And we decided this is what we're going to do. Now, we we also decided we're going to do, it's kind of a, 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 a central fill type model where we started saying everything that's, you know, high dollar. And if someone's got more than, I think it was five medicines, we're going to look at them and try to make them uh, medication synchronization right off the bat, and you know, talking to them, but also make them central fill so we can do save on our inventory at our other stores, as well as gotcha. um, uh, the extra labor that would be involved in having to do all that. So we did it all here centrally. And again, our, you know, just, not very far apart. This was, you know, still just as we were hearing about the word coronavirus, um, we were putting this together. And of course, you know, we implemented everything at the end of um, the year prior to the coronavirus. And then, you know, everything just kind of went crazy. But I will say, I'm so glad we did because uh, we're, you know, that, that set us up to move forward. So, mm. you know, CPSN caused us to start thinking about it. Um, you know, Pioneer with the extra uh, abilities to do things, our prior uh, software wasn't up to par to what we needed it to be. And you know all the differences between the different softwares, but Pioneer was the most robust system we could find to say, if we're going to go all in, we're going to go all in. And, um, you know, and so I'm the type of guy that, you know, if, if you're standing up, jumping or standing on the a bridge and uh, or, you know, someplace where you can just touch the water with one foot, I jump in with both feet and or dive in <laughs> and try to find what's, you know, what's down there and start swimming. Um, and that's kind of what we did. And it was a yeah. little scary. Um, and, and to be honest with you, uh, uh, all the changes was pretty overwhelming for a little while. Uh, but we all got our feet on the ground and started running. And there was a lot of things. And I will say that Tanner you know, I, 
while he was in pharmacy school, we were talking about the changes. And he's like, Dad, I think Pioneer needs to be the thing you're going to. He said, I plan on coming to work and we need to have Pioneer. And I don't remember if you were part of the Rapid Pack discussion, but I, I told him what was going on. He, I don't think he knew a lot about what we were doing, but he does now. Um, but, you know, just all the extra things. And by the way, he had a, a really good rotation with Trip Logan down in southeast oh, nice. Missouri. Trip's a great friend of mine and has always been an inspire, inspiring owner. But, uh, you know, recently we started adding community health workers and they're helping with uh, well, over the last few years, um, and they started helping with our MedSync process, and and you know a lot of our indiv- a lot of our patients have social determinants of health that need to be identified and try to work through, uh, whether it be finances or not being able to get into the pharmacy to pick up their meds or whatever. So, you know, it's it's you know it's it's been a whirlwind since you know the pandemic just you know put more things on top of what we were already planning on doing, but it really did speed us up um, because I was thinking, oh, we'll implement this and we'll do this, you know, a little bit later. But we realized if we're going to do it, we got to jump in. And oh, yeah. so, so we jump in, jumped in, and we started swimming. Nobody drowned. Um, there were, uh, you know, a few people that are like, man, this is crazy. Um, and and um, but we made it happen. Um, you know, not everything was perfect. I did also use another one of your uh, guests that you've had on your show prior, uh, Travis Wolf. To kind of oh, yeah. help me keep stay focused and put this program together on some of the things that we did, um, you know, I, I've so many people um, throughout the nation that I've spoken to or you know consulted with have helped us stay moving in the right direction. And again, you know, sometimes we we veer off or whatever, but uh, we remain positive because it's so easy in today's uh, pharmacy environment to get so negative and say, it's done. I'm going to quit. I'm, I'm out of here. But, you know, having him and my daughter here have kept me focused. I, I want to build something for the future for this community and for them to be able to carry that legacy on. Again, first generation owner here, second generation, hopefully owner uh, here. Um, but, you know, who knows what will happen? I, I would love to see independent community pharmacy continue. Um, uh, we all know it's much different than it was 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. Um, but there's still some really, really good things going on in community pharmacy here in the Osho. It's really interesting. There's kind of two schools of thought, you know, you run into pharmacies who are, um, you know, frustrated with, with some of the current pressures. And, um, then you go to another pharmacy that has that blue ocean theory that, you know, there, there's plenty out there, um, you know, and, and you hear that uh, go both ways, too, with, you know, pushing their their children into the profession or out of the profession saying, oh, man, you know. Um, but, yeah, it sounds like, you know, you touch on a, a few things I, I want to go back to. Definitely want to uh, go back, pick up on the community health workers. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what happened when you – moved your workflow. So um, the first time I I saw somebody do that in in practice, I guess, was probably um, Jason Foyle uh, when I visited his pharmacy out in North Carolina. He had kind of done that exact same uh, idea where he had a a larger space and he basically made his predictable refills kind of a same model as an LTC closed door. Like those are so predictable and expected. Why are we surprised when you have, you know, um, chronic disease state medication refill again next month, right? Um, so that predictable workflow was, you know, you can you can account for that differently than serving those walk-in cu- customers, those new patients that, that are coming in. So how did your teams adapt to that? And then logistically and technically, how did you share that inventory? So it was a challenge uh, because I I do think, you know, when we're filling like Central Fill, for instance, the other store kind of actually felt like we were stealing prescriptions from them, even though it's the same company. And then we'd bring it right, you know, we would would pull those scripts, fill them here. Now, I will say... um, we we lucked. There was a pharmacy nearby that had closed um, in Joplin 
which is just north of us, and they had a whole bunch of cabinets that they were selling, just you know, just trying to get them. They said, "You you go up there. We'll take this much. You can take everything in the store." So I went up and bought everything. Ended up nice. giving some to a friend of mine to help them open up a store. So, uh, long story short, we were able to obtain a lot of pharmacy cabinets um, that I just immediately set up in this back area. And everybody came, I did it over a weekend and everybody came in, they're like, what's all this? And I said, this is <laughs> what I was telling you we're going to do. We're going to set up a med sink area in the back. They were a little bit hesitant. We, you know, we set computers up. I let them kind of, um, you know, make some suggestions on where they want things. And we moved a few things around. We're actually, by the way, that was about a year and a half ago. We're in the middle of moving things around again. So um, because we found that, you know, there's some more efficiencies and and we're adding more MedSync patients. So we're thinking, OK, this is where we're going. I will say originally uh, when we first re- rolled the idea out, uh, there were a lot of people going, oh, my gosh, we're going to do that MedSync thing again. I don't know if we can get through this. Um, now they're finding people to put on MedSync. They're like, this yeah. person needs to be on MedSync. This is a new patient. Uh, walks in the door. Would you like for us to line all your meds? We don't use the word med sink, but we'll, you know, we'll say, would you like for us to line all your meds up so that you can get them all either monthly or every 90 days? And they're like, oh gosh, that'd be great. You know, I have to go back to the pharmacy three or four times. And then I said, we're going to call you. We're going to call you monthly. We'll call you on a regular basis. We'll touch base with you. Um, and if you have questions or whatever, the pharmacist will be available then as well to be able to help you. And so those touch points continue. Um, and that's when we started kind of, you know, infusing those community health workers in there as well when we start seeing issues. But, um, you know, the, the the staff is very supportive. I will say over the last year, we have had some staff turnover. Um, there, you know, some of, some of the ones that have been with us for a while, we had a few older uh, employees that decided, you know, I think I'm just going to retire. You know, COVID was a little crazy. And, um, but, you know, we, we brought some new technicians on board. We actually got a new one starting tomorrow. That's got a lot of experience. So they're working harder and, and more efficiently than ever. And we're continuing to try to, that's what Tanner has been working on, trying to find more and more efficient ways to be able to, uh, run our pharmacy. And, and honestly, some of the, technicians are like, this is so cool. We get to do some different things. Um, And so now they're like, okay, what's next on the agenda? You know, what, how are we going to do this now? And they're like, Hey, have we thought about doing it? They're, they're now giving us ideas on what they would like to see. And then we're trying to figure out a way to, to try to make it work. So it's, it's been a, it's been an evolution process. Like I said, I've, I've been working with Travis Wolf. He's a real good person to kind of help you manage people and and understand i've had him had a couple of or a few you know uh, phone conversations or video conversations with some of our staff to kind of help them understand what kind of you know we we analyzed ourselves about what kind of personalities we are uh you know what part of the spectrum you're on you've seen those types of things where oh yeah yeah disc analysis and all that Yeah, they didn't know that and they're like oh that's why tim talks to people all the time because he's over here (laughs) you know (laughs) And that's why yeah. this person's, they're a little quieter, but they're a thinker and they, you know, do all these other things. So, um, but, you know, pulling all those things in together and again, it's not been perfect, but I, I do feel like it's been a really good learning opportunity for me and our staff to learn all about each other and kind of how we can pull together to, to make these new and, and innovative things happen. And like I said, using Pioneer and the, the Rapid Pack machine has really been a big part of what we've been able to do. So, yeah. So, which which location do you have that machine at? Is that the downtown location? No, it's at our Boulevard location, our main Boulevard. location, where our long term care and everything is too. Um, and we're looking at trying to implement those um, the the rapid packs into some of our long term care as well. Um, it's a whole nother process, but um, we. Um, we have the most square footage here. Our downtown store has only got about thousand square foot. It's a really, really small footprint. Sure, sure. Because it's in with a clinic. So, but we do have old time ice cream there, and you know all kinds of good stuff, candy sticks and things. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's part of the that that's part of the appeal, and and probably a better use of that downtown space um, if you're if you're working smart and 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 sending that predictable workflow off site. It's a it's a really really neat model. Um, hear a lot of pharmacists talk about doing that. Um, it's really kind of neat to hear how it practically has has actually worked out. Um, so how, how do you handle your inventory? Uh, are you doing a shared inventory group? You order it one and then reconcile that physical inventory? Or? We're actually doing just most of the inventories here at the at our Boulevard location. And we don't do the shared inventory. Um, we could possibly do that. Uh, we haven't ventured into that area yet, but um, it, we do keep the inventory separate. But what we in Missouri, we're, we're able to do a, what's called a Class J shared services agreement. So the the prescription is actually pulled. Um, like if it goes to our downtown store and it's part of our central uh, fill, we will pull it to this location go ahead and put it with the med sink. And once it's synced up and all the meds are filled, it's all dispensed from this location. And then the bag is delivered uh, or the, the medications are delivered to the pharmacy for the patient to pick up at the downtown location. So they really don't know anything different. I mean, they know it's being centrally filled, but um, there's really nothing different for the patient. To, or a lot of our patients, especially during the pandemic, just said, can you just put me on permanent delivery and just, you know, we'll deliver them to them. So that, again, is one of those things determining, you know, what kind of uh, social determinants of health they may have. I mean, it could be that they, they weren't able to get out to get their medicine and they've been out of it for a week. And, you know, we make a phone call and they're like, yeah, I don't, my car's not working or I've been sick or whatever. So we just, we just bring it straight to them now. Yeah. So, you know, in a community where you have two of those big chains and such a small population, it seems like it's really important that you serve your patients differently than than those chains can. And it seems like you guys have found some really exciting ways to do that. And I love the um, the health worker idea where, you know, you, it's such an opportunity to, you know, really meet your patients where they live and understand uh, those challenges that they're facing. So tell me a little bit about how that actually works practically. Um, you know, I'm really interested to hear, you know, how how that works on a, um, you know, on a sustainability model. How are you able to, you know, find a way to have that more complex role uh, and and have a return on investment or a return in, in community uh, investment, you know, where, where does that uh, work on a business sense? I think the biggest part in our community is the feedback that we get from our patients is that they don't want to feel like a number. And I feel like a lot of community pharmacies um, can agree with that. Um, but these patients appreciate, you know, knowing that they're getting taken care of, knowing that they don't have to have so much of a burden on their health or their medications. So um, I think the biggest thing is finding a way, and Pioneer has been big for us for this, but finding a way to just work it into our normal workflow to where, you know, we're not needing to do extra work because if we're already, you know, signing these patients up on MedSync, we already have a template of things that we can ask them every month when we call them. So we're asking them if they've had any changes and not just filling medications, um, but using it as an opportunity to do some medication management services um, every month. So any questions, any changes, um, are they up to date on all their vaccines? And if they don't know, um, you know, transfer them over to a pharmacist and they'll say, you know, I never knew that I, I needed to get my shingle shot. Um, so it's just an opportunity for us to continue to um, offer those services. And they'll say, you know, at the chain stores, they didn't always take the opportunity to look into my profile and, you know, they'll fill what I say, but they're not going to make those recommendations. So I think just making a way uh, where it's a part of our workflow um, to where we can, you know, assess their profile every month and um, get them taken care of. And along with those phone calls, having those uh, technicians who are making those calls, making a normal part of their workflow, um, like Tim said, identifying those social determinants of health, finding ways huh. that these patients you know, are they having trouble paying for their medications? If so, our community health workers can set them up on patient assistance programs and uh, give them community resources. Um, are they having trouble getting to the pharmacy to pick it up? Do they need delivery or do they need um, these different community resources, like I said? 
So I think the biggest thing is, you know, letting these patients know that we're caring for them and we're going out of our way, um, you know, but still incorporating our workflow to find a way to let them know that they're getting taken care of and um, all the services that we offer, so. I will say that yeah. you know, community, community health workers, um, although, you know, there's not a direct reimbursement at the moment, I know that's coming soon, uh, at least in Missouri. Missouri Medicaid's recognized that community health workers, actually, I was actually just on a call with Trip just a few minutes ago, talking about some of the things that, that CPSM is, and CPSM Missouri and, you know, working together. But there's some really um, good uh, PR just with having a community health worker, um, you know, you, you can hire a, a, a person to help you do your your public relations in your community, but what better person to do your help you do your PR is somebody that actually takes care of somebody, not somebody that's sure. just putting a social media ad on the, on your or helping you do a, a TV commercial or putting an ad in a paper, but but someone that can actually help somebody. Uh, with transportation or all the things that, that Tanner was just talking about. So, you know, it, it, the way I look at it as an owner is I feel community health workers already get the return on investment just based upon what they do for a P, PR, you know, purpose for me. Um, there are other things too. I mean, you know, our, our community health workers are pharmacy technicians. Um, pharmacy technicians pretty much do community health worker work every day anyhow, right? Sure. Yeah. So, 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 you know, what we're doing is we're putting them through this training and then actually in Missouri, again, Trip has helped put this together. Uh, there's grants available for, for technicians to go through training. It's a 16 week course to be a community health worker. And, you know, it's, it's not like the most demanding thing in the world, but it's also not a pushover uh, class. It's all online. Um, and I actually took it myself and just cause I wanted to see what it was about. This was a couple, two or three years ago. Um, but I will say, um, uh, it, it sure makes you think about patients in a different way. Um, yeah. it, again, like what Tanner said, it's not a number we're, we're looking at, okay, maybe there is some things that we need to look at with this patient to see if there's something we can do to help them. Uh, so they're not making, you know, uh, unnecessary doctor visits or having to, you know, having issues with transportation or whatever. So, so I, I think of it already as producing a, a return on my investment, even without a direct reimbursement for that service. Uh, but I will tell you, I won't turn down a direct reimbursement for that service <laughs> if it ever comes available. Um, payers, payers like the word community health worker. They like yeah. that term. And and I think that is starting to get some traction. So, so I, I think uh, a lot of pharmacies, when they hear the term community health worker, are basically automatically going to picture a delivery driver with a clipboard, right? So maybe a delivery driver who's doing a little bit more. But I love the the conversation that you guys shared with that is really focusing on every role in the pharmacy, uh, you know, not just a thing we do on deliveries. Um, Another thing I noticed is that, you know, a a lot of pharmacies talk about, oh, it's so important to have a MedSync program and really, really focus on having a MedSync program for the efficiency that you get and, and moving that patient's order through workflow predictably together makes a lot of sense, um, you know, just on an efficiency scale. But a lot of pharmacies, um, I feel like, may have a tendency to basically look at that as an auto refill process instead of really concentrating on that appointment-based model that that affords you to then offer all of those other services. So can you talk a little bit about how you've kind of taken advantage of that appointment-based model? And once you have your patient synced, which used to be really hard, um, you know, you used to have a a whiteboard or a, a, a paper calendar that was just by the end of the month, scary to look at. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't tell you how many pharmacies I was in, you know, when we were working on our MedSync uh, uh, elements that, you know, we're making that shift. So now, now that the MedSync is pretty easy, you know, how do you capitalize on that? Yeah, I, I think that, like I said, whenever we're uh, utilizing MedSync to its full potential, um, we're servicing these patients a lot more than we may realize because a lot of these patients kind of rely on us to catch those things or to catch that they are due for certain things or 
that they aren't taking this and they should be or duplications and things like that. So um, I think MedSync's been big for building that trust. Um, MedSync's also been uh, big, kind of like you said, the employment-based model. We're kind of training our uh, our uh, patients to understand that you know pharmacy isn't necessarily just like fast food where, oh, you want it, let's get it ready for you really quick. It's kind of training them saying, well, we can have it ready for you on this day uh, after we've gotten everything ready for them. And it helps it, I think it helps them kind of understand all the you know, the the anomalies and things that go on and all the work it takes in order to get their medications fully ready for them, trains them to only show up um, only when their medications are ready um, so that they're not making extra trips to the store when things aren't ready and just having those normal conversations with their healthcare provider that they may not have if we didn't have them signed up on that. Um, so I think that's big on kind of training and um, teaching the, like I said, the patients on what all we do. Um, and I think they respect us more for that as well. Um, so that's kind of how we utilize the appointment-based model for MedSync. Um, we're also kind of trying to utilize it for, um, like you said, the rapid pack, uh, strip packaging pickups. Then also for our vaccines, which is, I know, a hot topic for a lot of people right now. Um, but it's been a little difficult trying to get everybody scheduled. Um, but it's been good because it's been more predictable on when we're having these patients come in and we're able to um, you know, get them all what they need, make sure we have it um, in stock. We can check the day before and say, you know, we have this many of this medication, can we order it for tomorrow so that they don't show up and we don't have it ready? Um, and then sure. making sure we have their insurance already ready and kind of speed up the workflow there as well, so. Yeah, and yeah. I, will, I will say as, a, as an owner, you know, I appreciate the fact that we can order an item in and dispense it the next day instead of something that we're going to order in that's a $5,000 item that sits in my refrigerator for, you know, 30 days or more. So uh, it, it, it's helped efficiencies in our inventory process as well, as well as, you know, being able to offer the central fill uh, part of it we've been able to reduce our inventories at our other locations to be able to keep most of the inventory here. And, you know, if we need something on a stat basis, we just, we'll just have our delivery driver run it over to them. But so we keep our inventories really low at the other uh, places. And then, and then with this location, it's pretty well fully stocked um, and uh, can, you know, take care of most, most immediate needs. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great way to keep that intentional inventory where you're you're lean, but you're not, uh, you know, missing opportunities. Um, so you mentioned the immunizations, and um, I saw you recently on uh, KSN News talking about immunizations. I saw a Facebook post where you're at a local uh, local business doing an immunization clinic. Um, so coming off the heels of COVID, where um, I think a lot of people maybe uh, went to independent pharmacies they hadn't visited before. Uh, it, it was such a big part of what everyone had to uh, figure out, just a huge admin burden. Uh, so now that that's all over, uh, you know, have you, have you found new opportunities to kind of roll in what you've learned to take advantage of those relationships? You know, it's interesting uh, because probably about 10 years ago, I approached my local school district about maybe it's 12 uh, about um, coming in because they, they were, you know, trying to send people in. And I said, well, don't I just come to your location and I can go because there's like seven different you know, they have elementary schools and alternative schools, the high school, the central office, you know, all these places. Um, and there's seven different locations around town. Uh, and I said, why don't we just come to you guys and we'll just set up a schedule and I'll be here at this time. And 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 so we did that. And every year since then, we've done their flu shots. Um, and so then, you know, someone at the city called and said, hey, I heard you're going to the school. Would you be? And this like I said, this was before COVID, pre-COVID. Um, when COVID hit, of course, we were like, oh, gosh, should we go out? Should we not go out? Uh, we did start going out to like nursing homes when they would let us in to help them do vaccinations or they would bring them to the door and we'd administer a lot of different things like that. Um, but, you know, we we had some opportunities before. I will say that COVID did open up some other opportunities for us as well. 
Um, but we were already familiar with that model uh, because we were doing it prior. So it's kind of nice to be able to to be able to continue to try to grow that area and be able to uh, expand uh, vaccinations into the community. We, I think I was telling Tanner last night, I think we've done close to 17,000 vaccinations in our little community here. Of course, you know, we have 13,000 people, so we've got everybody covered, right? Um, and, but, <laughs> Both yeah, arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's, 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 like I said, we service a, a pretty good radius around Neosho, but uh, we're still giving lots of the bivalent boosters right now and staying really busy with that. We still have people coming in needing them. And I still have just, I think Tanner's going out this afternoon to a bank that wants us to do some COVID boosters for them. Uh, we did them, I think we did them last year as well. But, um, you know, uh, it's it's really has opened up some other opportunities for us. And the, the fact that, you know, people are coming in that have never been in here before gives me the opportunity to make a connection with them. I know we've all talked about that. This is where you have a chance to impress your community and show them that you really do care about, you know, them. And you're not just a number like you are at one of the chains. And we've had people just, just yesterday, I had someone say, why don't you just transfer all my meds to you? You've been taking care of us through the pandemic. Uh, and, you know, they just like, I don't know why I continue to go to the big chains. So um, there's lots of, lots of things that have really come out positive from this. Granted, it was a lot of work and it still is. Um, but, um, it's been very positive for us. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, so I listened to the, uh, Travis Wolf podcast recently and, and, uh, the catalyst podcast, and he mentioned, you know, you, you can push and try to push people into your pharmacy, but, uh, it, it seems like in a lot of cases, the, uh, the pandemic kind of pulled that parking brake for a lot of patients to make a change, just to see that, wow, there's, there's a really great thing over here. Why, why haven't I just gone over there? So um, almost out of time, let's talk a little bit about what's coming up. What's um, what's on the roadmap? What's down the future? Tanner, I'd love to hear what uh, what you're excited about that, you know, you think is, um, you know, maybe the, the next frontier and, and uh, or the next enhanced service or just the next focus of what you're already doing that you really want to make sure that you do well. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things that I've been trying to focus on, there, there are a couple different things, but one of the things is uh, kind of our marketing um, in general. I feel like pharmacies, you know, we do all these great things, but if we're not telling people about it or showing them, then, you know, we're, we're kind of doing our not doing ourselves a favor because we're kind of, you know, we're, we're not utilizing to its full potential. So I'm trying to work on ways to be able to uh, make pharmacy something um, that we can um, show our services on like social media platforms and you know obviously everything's a video now so we're trying to make some videos that are uh, you know educational or even fun to help these patients um, you know enjoy our pharmacy maybe draw them in not even just that but our patients even simple things like teaching them how to pronounce drug names i made a video last yeah, week i've been watching your tiktoks <laughs> yeah things like that can make you know pharmacy a little more fun and then they may feel a little more confident with their medications next time they call in a refill and things like that. So um, I also feel like a lot of the times, you know, patients may feel that pharmacists are so busy because they always see us running around back there. So it's nice to be able to show them that, you know, we take some time out of our day to um, just educate them in general. So I would like to say Tanner, Tanner sparked, he knows what I'm going to say, but he sparked my interest because <laughs> I'm not, I don't do TikTok. To, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on it now, but just so I can see what he's doing. But he started uh, a thing a few years ago that he calls Plants by Tanner. He's a big plant parent, I guess is what we call it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, and so if you like plants, you ought to follow Plants by Tanner <laughs> on TikTok and Instagram and so forth. But I told him, I said, you know, let's bring some plants in. And so, you know, it's not a, it's not a, 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 a direct pharmacy thing, but, you know, honestly, plants make me happy. Um, and so as long as you keep them alive, I, I'm, I'm not real good at that, but so we're going to have some plants in here and we may have some plant posts here before long pharmacies and plants. So a little, a little plant shop involved. Yeah, a little plant shop. I love that. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I fell into gardening in the pandemic. Um, just, I, I moved in, into a, a couple acre like fruit farm. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's been a huge learning curve. And all of a sudden, I'm like, this is a really cool thing. And it's uh, it's a fun thing to talk about. And, you know, uh, it definitely it, it adds uh, uh, an element to interior design that um, nothing nothing else does, that, that feeling of vibrance. So, yeah. Pharmacy doesn't have to be a place where you go in and you feel nervous. You want to feel relaxed when you're in there, too. So. And then the last thing, uh, really quick, that I'm working on, um, beside everything else, is my NCPA fellowship program that I'm going through right now. So the stores uh, put me in that, and that's a um, program where, uh, at least monthly, uh, an expert in one topic of pharmacy comes in, um, teaches us things, gives us access to materials and resources that we can start using in our stores that very day. Um, so it's been super cool. Like, like you said, we had like Travis Wolf one day, and several other people. Um, we're still kind of in the beginning stages of that, but we have a bunch of new um, topics coming up soon and stuff. So, uh, you know, every time we have one of those meetings, I'm learning something new and uh, it's just inspiring me to, to do something different. And then we have a capstone project that we're working on. Um, I'm still in the early stages. I'm not super comfortable with how we're gonna do it. Um, that's kind of my project, but uh, we're looking at implementing something like pharmacogenomics into our pharmacy, which I know is also kind mm. of a hot topic right now. Um, so I'm kind of in the the part of finding a way to um, make that a part of our, once again, normal workflow to where it's not going to add any additional stress, um, but also finding ways to identify these patients who uh, may need to use this, um, who, you know, why try three or four medications until you find one that works when you can just run a test and find one and help them right away. So um, kind of in the stages of, you know, uh, starting off trying to learn about, you know, pharmacogenomics, how we can implement that, and, uh, you know, just find these unique ways to take care of our community, so. Yeah, that's such an interesting area where, you know, like consumers have everything uh, available in, in pretty much any marketplace, like in a bespoke, customized uh, version. And and that's a, a really neat thing about where we are with technology today. And yet, you know, medicine is still very much one size fits all, you know, trial and error. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting to see, you know, the technologies out there. But how does that, um, you know, get implemented in, in a way that's sustainable? Yeah. And I feel like with all the stress that's on community pharmacy right now, I feel like we can't ever get comfortable and set in our ways of doing things. You know, we always need to be finding different ways to do things and new things to do. Um, so, yeah, it's been very fun. Yeah, I was in a, a podcast recently that, you know, they were telling me about their um, the generation before them and, and how they brought in a, a pharmacy software into their business uh, and went from the paper model. And, you know, so that that change is a is a constant. I feel like there's a there, there's a myth out there that um, things used to not change, <laughs> but that change is it, it's always it's always coming. <laughs> Well, guys, thanks so much for joining me. I'm going to let you guys get back to it. Uh, look forward to hearing about all of those changes that you guys encounter. Looking forward to seeing some plants on TikTok as well. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> plants and pharmacy. All right, it's going to be a new, new TikTok page. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Scripts, presented by the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our channel by liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content. To stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform.